Imagine having all, guess all, of your learning challenges solved. With the Tables Learning Suite, an AI-powered LMS built for enterprise, you can tackle any challenge. You can easily create and manage content, deliver training, and measure the business impact of your programs. Dechebo is built for customers, partners, and employees alike, with dozens of integrations to embed directly in the flow of work. Check out Dechebo today at docebo.com. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I'm Adam Evermescu, and I am joined today by special guest, Caitlin Wood. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Adam. Oh my gosh, it is so good to have you on the show. We were just talking about this in the the pre-show, how uh, it's been maybe four years since we talked in person. Yes, though, you know, you have kind of like a prolific constant presence, I feel like, in customer education. So even though we haven't seen each other in a while, I feel like I've heard your name constantly. Oh, well, I've, I've heard your name constantly as well. And you don't even have a, a customer education podcast that you're using to <laughs> blast your way into people's lives. You're just doing good work that I keep hearing oh, about. So thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's also so kind of you to join me on National Croissant Day. <laughs> what an exciting time to be here. And yet I have no croissants in front of me. Yeah, and, and it might be more appropriate for you than for me because it's uh, much closer to your morning than for me when <laughs> I'm, I'm now dipping into the evening hours. I know, crazy. I always forget that you're now across the pond. Yeah, although I will say here in Amsterdam, we have some pretty good croissants. Like the bakeries know what they're doing. Oh, okay. That's important, I feel like, in selecting a place to live. So I'm glad for you. Yeah. If anyone wants to take a trip to Amsterdam, you can hit me up and I'll give you bakery recommendations. Nice. Well, Caitlin, I'm so glad again to have you on the show. And part of the reason is that, you know, when we first started talking to each other, you were at Zendesk. And mm-hmm. at Zendesk, you were building and growing this amazing education services team. Mm -hmm. And then you made the switch over to Ironclad, where you are currently the, make sure I have this right, Senior (laughs) Director of Customer Success and Enablement. You got it. Yep. So within that, and and this will start getting us maybe a little bit into your team structure, which I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. You have your customer enablement function, which, which we can think about as customer education. Yep. And then you have customer success management as well, mm-hmm. which has a couple of different engagement models. Yeah. I get that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. And let me know if you want me to like go the next level deeper, but I'll follow your lead. No, I think it would be really helpful to understand okay. what's what's in each of those programs. Maybe, okay. maybe we can start with kind of what's in your enablement function and then yeah. hop over to your customer success side. Yeah, for sure. So the way my team is organized at Ironclad, I love, and hopefully you'll hear that come out in some of the discussion, but we basically have the functions that are traditionally considered uh, customer education, 
Uh, and then, like you said, the functions that are more traditionally considered customer success. So under the customer enablement side of the house where these teams are really focused on, like, how do we drive mastery of Ironclad within our customer base? We have a learning experience design team. Um, they're responsible for creating and maintaining all of our customer enablement content. So that's inclusive in this case of all of the documentation in our help center, all of the um, training content that's on Ironclad Academy, which is like our self-service um, space for training. And then they also partner with our product team uh, for initiatives around in-product guidance, which has been really awesome. And then we have a team of training delivery, and they obviously deliver the amazing training that the LXD team is creating. And they deliver that training in VILT format on Ironclad Academy. They also record the on-demand training on Ironclad Academy. And then they deliver training uh, in partnership with our services team when training is sold as part of an implementation or when a customer um, purchases standalone private training. So that's like our traditional customer education functions. And then on the success side of the house where we're really ultimately trying to partner with the customer to drive these like high value business outcomes, that's where you see our digital success team and our portfolio CS teams. Digital success, I'm sure we'll get into in much more detail, but that's really where we're managing our down down market customers at scale. And on the portfolio CS side, it's higher touch. We have a couple different tiers of that from the enterprise side, super high engagement. That's like your global enterprise who's really doing digital transformation and they need constant partnership um, on the strategy side. And then we have kind of the next level down of that where the engagement model is a little bit lighter, but you still get value out of that strategic partnership. So that's kind of the lay of the land. And I should say as well, we roll up to the CCO. So we are one of several departments that roll up to the CCO at Ironclad. Okay, so Caitlin, that's a really cool org structure. And Mm -hmm. yes, I definitely want to dive into this more with you. I think maybe one good place to start would be understanding the difference between your customer success segments. You mentioned you had Mm -hmm. digital and you had portfolio. So, So tell me more about the relationship between those. Yep. I think like, let's start with the most well-known side. So the portfolio customer success, this is like your traditional CSM owns a specific number of accounts that's in their book of business and they're having regular cadence of engagement with those accounts. It's like we called this high touch customer success. Exactly. A lot of times it's called enterprise customer success. One of our teams is called enterprise customer success within this group um, of portfolio CSMs. And It's great. It's a proven model that works. The thing that's hard about it, though, is that those resources are expensive for a reason, right? Like they're really good at their jobs. They're very strategic. They're they're basically strategy consultants, from my perspective, that are also experts in our product. So the problem with this model is that it's expensive to run and it has to grow at the same rate as like you're hiring for this team has to grow at the same rate as the growth for that segment of the business which is a good investment and companies should do that. But, you know, talk to any CFO and they're going to say like, how can we, (laughs) how can we handle this growing number of customers with not that same kind of like one-to-one sell this customer, hire this person to support them model. And so I think that's why we hear so much about digital CS, which is this emerging kind of CS function. And we hear a lot about it right now. A lot of companies are trying to figure out 
what this means to them, a lot of different definitions of it, and then also how it can help them with this challenge of supporting more and more customers, but not growing the team at that same exponential rate of growth. So to me, and knowing that there are lots of different definitions, but to me, digital success is really about how do we put the right experience in front of the customer at the right time? That could be a higher touch experience with the human being. It could be an email campaign. It could be an in-product notification. More holistically, like zooming out at the customer journey and saying like, what does the customer need at each moment? And then what's the best way to deliver it to them? And where does putting a person into that equation actually add value? Like not to get super nerdy, but like, and I don't have a Six Sigma green belt or anything like that, but something I love, (laughs) a concept that I steal from Six Sigma and I bring it up with my team all the time is this concept of value at a time. Like what are we doing in our processes that the customer would actually pay for? And what are we doing? That's like, it's nice, but they could live without it. It's kind of like the anti-Disney <laughs> approach where it's like, what actually matters? Like, let's not delight. Let's just give them value where it actually matters. And so to me, digital success is a lot about identifying where are their high value moments, period. How do we provide those to our customers? And then of those, where should there be human interaction? And that starts to create a model that is much more interesting in terms of cost effectiveness. You can do a lot with a really lean team if you have the right data and technology. So it's really interesting. And that's probably like pretty high level. We could go into the details of what that team actually works on. But conceptually, that's how I think about it. No, I, I I have some questions, but I think already that level of answer should convey some some belt upon yeah. you. Mm-hmm. If, if I were six Sigma, <laughs> I would be giving you a belt in that response. <laughs> Thank but, you. Appreciate it. I accept that honorary belt. <laughs> amazing. It's, it's, yeah, it's like the tie-dye belt. So, mm-hmm. okay. I guess first question would be, you mentioned that within a digital success motion or a digital success function, this isn't purely about providing scalable self-serve experiences, which I think mm-hmm. is a really important point. Like you, yep. you've, you've implied and I'll be curious to know kind of your your headcount structure behind this is mm-hmm. that you have some people within digital success who are able to offer value-added human experiences when necessary. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a lot going on that's more programmatic. So yeah. I'd love to understand how you how you staff for those experiences. Yeah. Uh, and then would love to understand as well, maybe for the humans on your team who are mm-hmm. deciding where to put that value-added time. Mm-hmm. What are some examples of what actually provides uh, value to customers and isn't just delightful? Yeah, love that. So a couple things. The team is really just in terms of like brass tacks. The team is super lean. So we have two digital CSMs. We have one digital success program manager. And then we have a leader for that team who's like running the strategy in partnership with me. So this team, I think if you did split it into account ratios, those CSMs that I mentioned, they would have, you know, next year they'll have upwards of 600, 700 accounts each if you were to split That's way the book too many business. to call them all up and have a GBR. No. Right. Like it's just not happening. And also yeah. to my point around the value added time piece, it's like these are not every single one, but these are generally our down market customers. And they might have an initial pain point that we need to solve. And they're not ready to have a conversation about digital transformation, right? Like they are 
you know, like at Zendesk, we always used to say for this segment, this person just wants to get out of the email. Like they just want to be out of their email inbox. They can't manage it anymore. That's their pain point. And they don't want to talk about advanced functionality in the tool until you mm. get them out of email and solve their pain point. They just, they just want to be using ticketing and, and having right. things organized. And what's, right. so what's that for Ironclad? Yeah. So for Ironclad, we're digital contracting solutions. So really like trying to digitally transform the one part of the business environment that hasn't really been transformed yet. When I first, as a side note, when I first got approached about this role, I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine a more boring subject than digital (laughs) contracting. Like, I don't know if I can do this. But the more I learned about it, truly, the more I learned about it, the more I was like, wait, this is fascinating. This really is the one part of business that hasn't been truly transformed and automated and nobody is using AI in an interesting way. And Ironclad is starting to think about all of these things. So for us, the translation of that kind of get me out of email at Zendesk is like, get all of my contract data into one place. If you think about your legal team, that's like really leanly funded a lot of the times. They're probably storing contracts in like a Google Drive. Maybe they have like a spreadsheet situation happening. And it can put the company at a lot of risk if you don't know, you don't have a great way to see like what terms are in which contracts. And like, there's just no intelligence that you can run when your data is stored that way. So for us, a lot of times in our down market customers, we're like, let's get your data into our repository and start getting you insights out of, you know, that data. Then let's talk about maybe getting your contract intake happening in Ironclad. So when you're... You have like a procurement um, situation where someone wants to bring in a new vendor. Let's get that request coming in through Ironclad and have that negotiation with the vendor go through Ironclad. Like, let's start building on top of our progress. So it's that's kind of like the things, those are the things we start to think about with digital success or like foundationally, what are those pain points that our customers want to address? And then how do we guide them to address those pain points through digital journeys or if they fall off the map, right? Like we know that they are 90 days in and they haven't achieved that value realization, that pain point isn't met. And we can tell mm-hmm. this based on their usage and data. Then that's how do we like intervene? To, to jump in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so so it's, a, it's a lot of that. Yeah. So you, so you get that signal, for instance, you're, you're tracking mm-hmm. and you see one of those risk signals. You're a, a digital CSM what do you do now? What are you going to, what, yeah. what type of conversation are you having with the customer? Yeah. So, I mean, asterisks that we are, you know, we're still in the infancy of building all of this out. So a lot of what the team does right now is manual. And I think like a fascinating follow-on session to this episode today would be to have Austin Hawkins, who's running this team for me, this digital success team, come on and speak to like the nth degree of detail of everything that he's done to help kind of move the strategy for this team along, but I'll, I'll Austin, do my best. Welcome on the show whenever, <laughs> whenever you hear this. I'll do my best to like do justice, all the work that his team has done. But I think for the last six months or so that we've had this team in place, they have gone through this very manual, but very valuable process of literally going manually through every single customer. So like customers that are coming up to renewal, going through their health and saying, okay, which of these customers based on our internal health score are in low health? Why? Go in and manually look at the configuration of the customer. And they're driving, they're deriving insights from all of this manual work. So they're like, oh, we're seeing that with customers 
with X, Y, and Z criteria, they're using less of this part of the product. Why? Where they're like the customers that are using this part of the product are crazy successful and the renewal rates are super high. Why? How can we drive more of that behavior? So it's been painful for the team because they've had to do all this manual work. And in order to meet like the volume that we have next year, they can't continue in this way. But it did set us up all this manual work. I set us up really well to bring in a CS automation tool, which is something that we're doing right now. So the idea is like now that the team has had to kind of swarm and do all of this manual data analysis and then test out some of these plays, like for example, we can see that you are 90 days in and you're not activated. Activated is an internal measure that we've built that basically says like, have you reached value realization based on your usage of the tool as best as we can tell obviously and that's so, that's tracking certain key features that we would expect you to be using at that right. point to have realized yeah. this is this is if dave darrington my podcast partner were here today he would say using product telemetry to predict adoption exactly but yeah and we've found that to be pretty effective so far and this is something again that the team just saw the need for they're like how can we measure truly if the customer has you know, hit that relief of the pain point if we don't have a black and white measure that we can, you know, somewhat rely on predictably. So that was a great thing, this activation measure that came out of the digital success team as well. So if we see that that person, that customer is off track, um, so they're 90 days in, for example, they're not activated, we actually automatically send them a survey. We're like, hey, we've noticed that in so many words, in the customer's words, like you're not activated, you're not really completely using the tool. Is it because you have a launch date that we haven't reached yet? So let's say you're planning to launch in a month from now and you're just like doing internal training. Is it because like you don't know how to use these features that you're not using right now? Do you need to talk to someone in so many words? Like kind of just, we're trying to diagnose what is your issue? And then based on response or no response to that survey email, we'll go through a different track. So if you don't respond, we'll nudge you again in 30 days if you're still not activated and say like, hey, do you want to get on the phone with the person and talk through this? And if you do respond and we know we're able to diagnose, then based on your response, we're able to, if it's a simple issue, like no issue, for example, I'm going live in a month and that's my plan, then in a month we'll see if they're activated, right? And if they are, then congratulations on activating. And if they're not, based on one of those other criteria that they could have selected, then we'll try to address that based on what the need is. And I'm sure that these, these like nurture tracks and experience journey, digital journeys will get more sophisticated and precise over time. But even just starting with something like that, it's like, you're not live. Okay, why? How can we help you? And which of those things, which of those things you might need help with really requires a person and where is it maybe just a resource? And again, all this data around the customer feedback and where people are getting stuck goes back to our product team. We work with them really closely on this like self-service experience. So how can we make the product easier to use? That's all part of the purview of digital success from my perspective. If you want to grow your business, you need to educate and engage your customers at every point of the funnel. So Thinkific Plus can help you do just that with their powerful learning platform that's so easy to use. 
Thinkific Plus believes that customer education can combat the common challenges of recurring revenue, like churn. So Thinkific Plus has created a purpose-built platform for agile teams that allows you to create impactful educational experiences for your customers. That means you can find new ways to engage with them. You can drive adoption, renewals, expansion, and growth, everything that a business cares about. So reimagine education for your customers' success with Thinkific Plus. You can get one month of Thinkific Plus for free with our special code. Go to thinkific.com slash C-E-L-A-B-S. That's thinkific.com slash C-Labs. This is really fascinating because... I mean, even though, as you mentioned, maybe a lot of the work that you've done to build it was fairly manual and, and doing kind of the unscalable things first before you do mm-hmm. the more scalable versions of them, it seems like what that allowed you to do was to have a better understanding of what customers in this segment actually want and need, Definitely. what some of those barriers might be, so that now you can actually produce an experience that is mostly automated up until the point where a digital success manager is really going to jump in and, mm-hmm. and either unblock something or provide that extra level of, of guidance. And yep. to me, that also ties probably to the other key insight that you had a moment ago, which mm-hmm. is that for people who are in those, let's say, down market segments, they're smaller mm-hmm. businesses, maybe mid-market in some cases, what, what, however your, mm-hmm. your company segments these customers, mm-hmm. it's more likely that at that size and maybe that that level of usage that you're going to have a lot of customers who, to your point, are probably looking to get kind of a more standard path mm-hmm. to value. Yep. So you can predict better what they're looking for. Totally. And in fact, this like this is how we did it at at, at Slack, for instance. We had mm-hmm. we had a, a scale customer success team and a high touch customer success team. And yep. the scale team, similar to what you're describing, was focusing on what are these core paths to value that people typically are, are using it within Slack, sort of like you saying, get me out of email. Slack is the same thing. It's mm-hmm. get me out of email, get me, get me collaborating and yeah. working in channels and let's set up, you know, public and private channels where it's available, but they're not necessarily creating all of these huge, nasty integrations that are going to completely right. transform business process. That's mm-hmm. something that an enterprise customer is going to be doing. That's something where you want mm-hmm. an enterprise CSM spending their time going super deep, or mm-hmm. even in our largest segments where you would actually bring in services to drive right. yep. the creation of, of those technical workflows and integrations, do enterprise-grade change management and, mm-hmm. and enterprise-grade training. Exactly. Yeah. So this this really, I think, cracks open a really, really pivotal question, which mm-hmm. I think more people are struggling with, which is yeah. the idea of digital success and customer education. Yes. In some ways, they sound like very similar things. And yet yes. in the organization, they're often very far apart from one another and, and not mm-hmm. necessarily you know, singing from the same songbook. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, it sounds like you've brought digital success and customer education closer together. So I'm really curious how yes. these, these two functions are, are influencing each other. Yes. This is like such a such an interesting topic for me. And I'll kind of, I think we're going to touch on this in a bit as well, but I'll kind of set the scene here with why I'm so passionate about this. So when I was at Zendesk, I was the director of customer education. And like you mentioned at the top of the show, I built that team out with an amazing team working next to me over five or so years that I was there. And one of our big challenges there around really innovating 
and like doing something other than creating and delivering training, thinking more about the customer journey, thinking more about integrating so that we were in lockstep with customer success and with marketing and, and sales and all of our key, key cross-functional stakeholders, our biggest pain point was that the teams were so siloed and everybody had different KPIs and there was just an un, I don't want to say an unwillingness, but there was this tension where it was just really hard to collaborate. And I saw a ton of duplication of effort. We had a a scaled success team who was run by someone who I love working with, who's a genius and is great at their job. But in our case, because training was monetized at Zendesk, which is a whole, you know, other thing we can get into for sure. It's a different model. That scaled success team for better or for worse was like, well, if we can't, use your training, we're going to create our own in so yeah. many words, right? Well, because a lot of customers, especially down market, do not have the, like, they, 100%. Well, they, we should say they have the price sensitivity so yeah. that they're not going to go buy expensive training services. Right, right. And it's like, so for me, this was this really frustrating, pivotal question to the business, which was, if we know that training completion impacts expansion and retention, and specifically at Zendesk, we had done data analysis that showed us that in the mid-market and SMB, customers who had completed training had a 426% higher net retention rate, and they were expanding at a much greater rate. So That's if insane. we know that, why are we nickel and diming them for the on-demand training? You know, It was hard. It was hard to see that impact and then kind of keep it behind a paywall and then be creating this organizational inefficiency. You know, we had docs team in the product organization. They were also creating little videos for their documentation. Mm -hmm. All of these inefficiencies were sprouting up. And so to get back to your original question around like, how is customer education, how do customer education and digital success play together? In my mind, they have to be part of the same team. I think that if they don't roll up to the same leader who has this holistic strategy, thinking about the customer journey and what are the customer needs, and then how does training experience fit into that journey? And are those teams collaborating very closely and relying on each other? Digital success providing insight to customer education customer education providing the output of that insight, like having internalized it and then created something that speaks to it, constantly evolving that motion, I think you miss out on a lot. So I think they have to be really closely tied together. I mean, I I love that. And you were one of the first people, actually, that I saw talking about this. (laughs) And it was fascinating to me because at least from from my perception of you yeah. at Zendesk, the, the reputation of the Zendesk education services team is that like, you knew services, you knew how to generate yeah. revenue, you could you could make that happen. And then yeah. you moved to Ironclad and, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden I, I saw you talking about this idea of bringing digital success and customer education together. Or I yeah. think you might have been saying customer education is digital success. And yeah. I, this was blowing my mind at the time because... <laughs> I didn't necessarily see them as the same things, but I'm yeah. seeing more and more people really exploring them and really, really linking them together. Yeah. So I appreciate that you were you were already waving the banner for that uh, a couple of years ago. 
I think one of the reasons that that was an easy, like an easy connection for me to make, it's also connected to one of my big insecurities about being in this space, like working in this space. When I moved into that role at Zendesk to build out customer education, I had zero days of experience as an instructional designer. I've never been a trainer. I got put into that role because I like solving business problems. And Zendesk had a big business problem around training. They needed to make it cost neutral. They saw it as a big expense to the business. And for better or for worse, that's the way they were looking at it. So when I moved into that role, definitely people on my team who reported to me were looking around being like, I'm sorry, who? Like, who's leading this team and why? Like, what? I don't understand this. It was a big yeah. credibility. How many, how many Bloom's taxonomies can you name? Name can zero. You name three? Yeah, yeah, I mean zero, like negative three. So it's been this interesting thing for me, you know, leading this team at Zendesk, really doing a lot of amazing things. I think, like, as a team, we accomplished a lot of great stuff together. And then going from Zendesk into this next role at Ironclad originally to build out customer enablement again, customer education. Like that was the scope of the role I originally took. And again, I had that kind of imposter syndrome of, okay, but like, I'm not going to be building the, I'm not an LXD. I'm not going to be building the content. I can solve the business problem, but I'm not like the on the grounds SME in a way that I think in terms of persona of people like you and I who are leading functions is not super typical. I haven't experienced it being super typical. Like I feel like a lot of times which one of these things doesn't belong in terms of my background and my experience of leaders in our space. And so I think as much as that's been something that I like from an imposter syndrome perspective, I tried to work through. It actually is, I think been my strength in stepping into this, hopefully like new world where digital success and customer education kind of merge into one, I think, because I'm not so tied to the old way. I don't have a, I'm, I'm always asking my team like, okay, I understand that's the way it's done, but like, why? And is there a different way? Because I'm not coming from this like stronghold of beliefs of the traditional way of doing things. And so I, I think that that has made it easier for me to ask like kind of what probably sounded like nutty questions around like, are these two things the same? I don't know. I'm just looking at the business, you know? Yeah, I, I really like that. And I mean, I don't necessarily see as see those two things as being completely synonymous either. For mm-hmm. instance, I think in, let's say, the, the older school education services world, it felt more exceedingly common to have someone who was sort of like you described, like a, like the business person mm, come in and true. try to get the education services P&L to work. Yes, that's but true. But I don't know that it was the same as what I hear you talking about right now, which is coming in with that open mind to challenge convention and to, to ask questions from mm-hmm. first principles. And it's both of those, someone who can balance both of those things. It's like, yeah, there are certain practices. I do have to have some level of understanding of what quality instructional design looks like, why it matters, why we can't just throw videos up on YouTube, why I know, like why there's a difference between marketing and customer education. Like you need someone who understands that and can represent the credibility of the team. Like these are people who understand adult learning theory. They're not just anybody and someone who can build and manage a PNL and have conversations with the finance team around funding the growth of the team. So 
Yeah, it's it's been it's been an interesting process to get here, but I'm excited about I don't know what the future looks like for leaders in our space and I think it's going to become more and more blended in terms of responsibilities. Yeah. That makes sense. And and so let's let's go back to uh, a comment that you made earlier and I'm thinking yeah. about this now for if I'm the leader who says I actually want to pick up digital success and mm-hmm. customer enablement or education and, and make them work together. You mentioned earlier that there's the cyclical relationship where on yeah. one hand, digital success is doing, let's say, the needs analysis or, or they're mm-hmm. on the front lines with the customer and then education is or, or enablement are kind of producing materials at scale. Can you tell me a little bit about the relationship between like maybe the process of how those teams work together? And yeah. it, it might also be helpful to take a dip into say their success metrics or how their incentives are are aligned because you mentioned mm-hmm. that being a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. So I think again, like Asterix, we're still figuring this all out, right? Like we don't have the you know, we don't have all the answers to all the questions. So I can tell you how we're doing it and then ask me again in six months and it'll probably be different. But I think something that's been really helpful is kind of between digital success and LXD has been LXD collaborating with our product team in what I would consider like a more traditional way. So plugging in with the product managers, they are understanding kind of roadmap and how things are changing in the product, thinking about how that impacts our customers and the things they need to learn. And then with our digital success team, they're partnering with our product team in a different way. So we have this, I think we call it activation team. And kind of going back to my point earlier around this metric to measure activation, the spirit of this team was like, how can we make it as low friction as possible for our customers to get done what they need to get done with our software? It's not really like a novel concept in SaaS, I know, but this type of regular connection and working together in the weeds of the product team between CS and product is new. I haven't seen it. We didn't do this um, in my past life. So my digital success team and a specific team within EPD work together and figure out, okay, like what is on our roadmap to make things easier for the customer when they're self-serving in the product? For product, it might be something like we shipped something a little while ago that was a huge problem for customer support and success. And it was about something to do with like adding users. You weren't able to add users in a specific situation. You had to contact support in order to do it. And product was like, you know what, we're going to prioritize that functionality. Now it's in the product. Support tickets are down, I think, like 30% just based on this. And that feedback went to the LXD team too around like, okay, people are having trouble with these scenarios. So it's interesting to have both types of those connections from product, the more like traditional roadmap perspective, but then in the weeds, like, hey, here's what people are struggling with. That user, ad user thing isn't kind of a binary thing that could be fixed, but there are other things like, oh, we're finding that customers are really struggling with this piece of like uploading their contract data, for example. So digital success can pipe that feedback to LXD, but they can also think about how they could immediately like with agility address it with the digital journeys we might be running. So there's a lot of like kind of experimentation that goes on that's those are the kind of like the two ends of product collaboration and how digital success feeds this more in the weeds data and feedback to lxd but more specifically like programmatically 
my leadership team, we meet every week. We have priority passed on items and insights that we offer to each other. We have like a pretty dialed in process in terms of how we collaborate and how we share information. And then I think our planning process is also huge as part of this. So a couple of weeks ago, we just did a strategic alignment workshop, all of my direct reports, and the team is you know, finalizing their plans for next year. Our fiscal starts in two days, but it's, yeah, I've made it really clear to them that they need to be, you know, Austin who's running digital success and Bill who's running LXD, like they need to be in lockstep. So there shouldn't be surprises. It shouldn't be that Austin is telling me that they need training experiences to drive adoption of our analytics piece of our product, but Bill doesn't have that on his roadmap. So this is that makes like sense. about so you're, you're actually the able then to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're mm-hmm. actually able to align roadmaps based on what the teams have agreed the priorities are. Yeah, and I think that speaks to your piece about metrics too, right? Because in my Zendesk example, if I think about that scaled success team, their KPI was about retention rates in the mid market and SMB, whereas mine at Zendesk was revenue. Right. So like, how are we supposed to have a conversation about priorities when we're just looking in different directions? Whereas in the team that I'm leading now, Bill and Austin both know that GRR, it's a shared goal that they both have. GRR in the mid-market or below, that's something they both own. We all own that. And so the KPIs that we have across the team, which every single function rolling up to me impacts in some way, are... GRR, what percent of our accounts are healthy? And we base that on like percent above an internal health score. We have like a threshold for health. So if you're above 25 in our internal health score, you're healthy. What percent of accounts have been trained? What percent of accounts are badged? So have they earned any badges? What's our self-service score? So use of our help center over tickets submitted. And then I'd love to build out something more like a, a next level health score that combines product usage, engagement, and customer sentiment, like NPS and CSAT, that would be really interesting. But through all these metrics that we have in place today, I think the team, no matter what function you're on, sees their role in driving those metrics forward. And that helps our conversations around planning and strategy and alignment a lot. This makes a lot of sense. And this sparks a few follow-on questions. Mm -hmm. One is if part of where your digital success and your LXG team, or, or let's let's say your enablement team for mm-hmm. to be simple, we might need to unpack that in a moment, are, are both focused on GRR among your down market accounts. Mm-hmm. I'm curious then what that means for the relationship between your enablement or your education team and your portfolio customer yeah. success team. Because I imagine that you know when yep. we say a lot of the time that part of what customer education does is scales the work that high-touch CSMs do, so they're spending less time doing individualized training. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about the relationship there. Yeah, and I think it's similar. It's similar to the relationship I described with digital success and in the enablement side. On the enterprise side, very similar because I have the, the leader of that function on my team as well. She is able to communicate to Bill, who's leading the LXD, the content side of things, on a weekly basis. Like, here are the themes I'm seeing for my customer, for my customers within our portfolios. How are we addressing these or not? What are our plans to 
address this. Like the analytics in the product is a real example of something that enterprise customers are struggling with right now. And we really do need to drive adoption into that of that feature in a bigger way for enterprise customers so that they're getting value. So Bill and, Bill needs to manage his roadmap then both yes. to meet what's coming from the digital team as mm-hmm. well as the portfolio team and ultimately yeah. have a have a balance of priorities and as well I would mm-hmm. assume then has to also work with each of those teams to define a strategy for how yeah. educational or other enablement materials should be used as part of the exactly. portfolio success or yep. digital success motion. Yep, exactly. And I think the challenge again, if you're not in the same in this if you're not under the same organization, like I imagine Brittany is Brittany Nani is my leader of portfolio customer success. She's amazing. I stole her from Zendesk, thankfully. But so if Bill and Brittany were chatting and she, they weren't under the same organization, I can imagine Bill being like, kind of trying to do a mea couple of like, hey, I see this need that I'm hearing about this need in digital success. Do you guys have this as well? And her being like, you know, like, yeah, it'd be great to have it, but like, I'm doing my own thing, like kind of dismissive of the value that that could drive. Um, and maybe, again, they would duplicate effort. Maybe they'd be like, oh, instead of training for analytics, we're going to do like small round table group and we'll basically build our own training without realizing it. But because they're under the same organization, it kind of, I hate, I don't want to use the word force because I think they're willingly collaborating, but it forces them to collaborate, right? Like I'm asking those questions as a leader. It's like, oh, okay. I'm hearing from Brittany that our enterprise customers are not adopting the analytics part of the product as much as we want them to. What are we doing about that team? It yeah. forces this, again, forces, but it, it forces a conversation around, like, are we it's, aligned? Yeah, it's called a forcing function for, yeah. for a reason. Right. And then and you mentioned as well, you have you have uh, delivery folks on your team, yes. right? Yep, we have so trained delivery what, what, on the team as well. What role are they playing in all of this? Yeah, so, I mean, they're doing a million things too. On the customer enablement side, we have a really lean team, and we're that team is doing amazing things with the resources they have available. So... Training delivery group, they deliver all the VILT that we're doing on Ironclad Academy. So there are weekly sessions that are really well attended and really well see- perceived by customers. And is this is this worked into the digital or the um, yes. portfolio success like onboarding paths or how yes. like yeah, how do customers engage with that? Yeah, so a couple different ways. It's definitely something that's key in the digital success journey. We're also building out additional plays and I'm, there's lots of companies that do this, so we definitely didn't invent it, but things like when an admin turns over. So like when an admin leaves the company and a new one comes in, we have an automation that will run and say, hey, you're a new admin. We suggest that you take this foundational training so that you can kind of get up to speed on how everything works before you try to get in there and dissect what's been done for you. So plugged into digital success in a couple different ways there. And then on the high touch side, typically our like upmarket customers are buying implementation packages and we have private training that's embedded in those packages. So same content that you're getting in the VILT, but just in a private session so that you can uh, ask maybe with some, questions some tweaks want. that yeah. are specific to your More account. Upmarket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same, same training delivery people doing both yep. the public academy and the private. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, cool. Okay, so it's threaded into both. Yep. How about on the, the content side? So thinking about maybe, yeah. well, maybe we can talk about both. But I imagine on one hand, there's probably a play in the portfolio side where because you actually have a named CSM, they're able mm-hmm. to 
walk you through and curate how you're engaging with different uh, mm-hmm. learning resources. But on the digital side, maybe there's maybe it's worked into campaigns that are being delivered to customers and educational content is being threaded through. But I'd love to hear yeah, yeah more about what that looks like on either side. Yeah. Again, like talk to me in six months and I hope I have like a more beautiful polished answer because we're just about to implement the CS automation tool, which I think will drive a lot of really interesting things in this way, like moving the team out of the manual in a bigger way. But the hope is kind of twofold. So with the implementation of the CS automation tool, being able to use data, right, and identify, oh, okay, you're 90 days in, you're a new admin, and you haven't completed any training, like, let's encourage you to complete training in an automated way. If you're digital success, that nudge is going to come from the digital success team. If you are in a portfolio CS motion, it's going to come from the CS automation tool, but it's going to be signed by Caitlin, like your CS. So still not, making... Not by, like, percent name... Right. <laughs> well, I hope not. Oh, God, don't. We don't want to be in that. Group. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you a night- nightmare. No, I did. I just look, like sweat just a little bit just thinking about it. <laughs> Your microphone definitely popped uh, at that moment. Did it? <laughs> but yeah, like, so using the automation in a smart way that's still tailored and based on data, saving the team some efficiency. But then also, I'm really interested in doing things like on the portfolio side where we encourage our CSMs to, or we encourage our CSM leaders to think about the way that they do their book of business planning. So like what percent of your specific portfolio as a CSM is trained? What percent of your admins are batched? We have a batching program. It's like a mini step towards certification. So again, with like the integration of these things, how do we integrate these functions and encourage the teams to think about the value that the training side of things can drive for their customers, but then you have to programmatize it, right? So build it into the health scoring, build it into their QBR methodology. Those are the things that we haven't gotten to the next level yet, next level yet on, but they're things that we really want to do over the next six months or so as we kind of mature these functions living together. We at C-Lab would like to introduce you to Strigo's Virtual Classroom. Strigo turns virtual instructor-led training into delightful, hands-on, collaborative learning experiences that drive product adoption and customer retention. Now, you've heard of VILT before. This is next level. Trusted by leading customer education teams, Strigo's Classroom was purpose-built for hands-on software training. It allows your trainers to see customers interacting with your product during training and to jump into one-on-one sessions to deliver just-in-time guidance. Super cool. This way, you can also give your customers the premium learning experience that they deserve. So visit strigo.io, that's S-T-R-I-G-O.io today for your demo and an exclusive offer for our listeners, Bench and C-Lab, for a one-month free trial and the first five training sessions for free. That makes a lot of sense. And and so maybe I can ask just a couple of questions around yeah. that idea of showing the the impact of education and and mm-hmm. you know that kind of naturally dovetails a little bit into ROI. Like at a, a high level, knowing that you own all of these functions together, right? Two mm-hmm. different flavors of customer success, customer enablement, which has multiple pillars underneath mm-hmm. it. Like what's the high level story that you look to tell around where customer education really like impacts your mm-hmm. business? I think, okay, so the, the easy part is knowing which 
metrics that I think the executive team and the board pays attention to. The hard part is getting the data, right? Mm-hmm. Getting that data analysis done. So for me, it's obvious. It's like, okay, what percent of accounts that expanded last quarter were active with training, had any type of training completion? What about the accounts that churned? Do, are we seeing positive trending in expansion and retention and negative trending in churn, meaning like customers who have engaged with training are less likely to churn? Like those stats here, at least, I think we had like last quarter, 86% of accounts that expanded had training activity. And if you click down by segment, those down market customers who had completed training had exponentially higher rates. So there are some really interesting trends there. Another one I think is 45 or no, um, of the accounts that have engaged with training, they have a 45% higher health score than accounts that haven't. And our health score is indicative that they are, the higher the health score, the less likely they are to churn. So those are things that the executive team and the board have really responded to. But again, the challenging part has been like, getting date, getting access to like combining that customer education data with the account based like business data is hard. I've had to learn how to like stink the dumping of data from Salesforce into Google Sheets and I can now masterfully create pivot tables and all of that, but it hasn't been an easy process and getting access to internal data resources, like I still don't have it today. So yeah kind of multiple things I'm answering in your simple question. But I think it's like when we're thinking about ROI, you want to show about how the bottom line of the business is being impacted. We can talk about completion rates and like whatever kind of like fluffy training data stats, even percent of customers trained alone doesn't do much for you. When you think about business impact, you have to combine that with like, how is it impacting retention and expansion like, how is it changing the business, moving the needle forward? Yeah. And and you and I were talking a little bit about this in the pre-show, like that, mm-hmm. that even even when you have an executive who's bought in, you still mm-hmm. have to be able to make that argument to your, your finance partners. A hundred percent. Right. And that's challenging. Like I was saying to using the age old example of funding this team is not like funding sales. Sales is like, I'm going to pay you X and I'm going to get this amount out of you. How do you explain to finance the value that you're going to get out of a learning experience designer? It can be done. It's just very challenging. And I'm still figuring out at Ironclad the best way to do this, even with all of these beautiful stats that we're able to get. It's it's one of the more challenging things. And why I think tying back to some of the things I've said about like the kind of persona of the leader that I think is going to be successful in this area going forward like this competency, understanding the nuts and bolts of the business and being able to work with finance teams on how the team's going to be funded, the contribution to the bottom line of the business, like that competency is like top three, if not top two, I think for leaders in our function going forward. Yeah. And and it's really only if you have that level of business acumen and, and mm-hmm. understanding of the mechanics of your business that you can even make an argument like that. Now, owning all of those functions makes a bit of a difference because then Mm -hmm. you as the leader of all of those functions can say, hey, you know what? I'm looking at my uh, portfolio CSM ratios. I'm looking at my digital CSM ratios. I think I can actually uh, improve those Mm -hmm. ratios if I make this uh, investment in customer education. Exactly. But it's not always that straightforward of an answer. Mm -hmm. You have to find other ways to 
depict yeah. via the metrics you have available to you what the mm-hmm. what the relationship is. Yeah. So I totally understand that. And and I guess maybe last question in in line of what you said about you know for for competencies of of business leaders who maybe want to take yeah. this function on like what's your what's your advice for the maybe the customer education leader who's listening and says hey yeah. you know what I'm intrigued by this digital success thing I'd really like to tie them together or mm-hmm. hey you know what we have a lot of customer success leaders who listen to the show too and they might be yep. thinking this in in reverse so yeah what's your advice I think it's a great question I think. I think if you're a person that's coming from a more traditional customer education background and you grew up through the function, and I can think of lots of people that were part of my team on Zendesk who would fit that profile and are now moving into these like really interesting next level opportunities in their careers. But I think if you're coming from that more traditional path, there are several ways that you can do lots of different ways, more than several, lots of different ways you can do this, but you really need to, I think, lean into building that business acumen. I mean, there are a ton of books that you can read about the way that SaaS businesses work financially. Like you need to understand the bottom line impact and how your executive team and how your board is going to be thinking about the business as a whole, and then challenge yourself to up-level your thinking probably like two or three levels and say, okay, how is my team impacting that top line? Like, what are the things that we were that we are doing that drive that that might not be visible to the executive team? Um, and how can I tell that story? I think that's one piece of it. This like really forcing yourself to think like a CEO and then thinking about maybe like slides that you're preparing for a QBR and being like, if I showed this to the CEO, would he be like, and, or would he be like, that is really compelling. Like, what are we doing? That's such a good team? point. And that's he not the same, by the way, from CEO to CEO. Not at all. Yeah. So I think it's like, understanding kind of like forcing yourself to dig deep into the mechanics of SaaS businesses and how like think like an investor, think like the executive team, think how, think about those types of perspectives. Then also think to your point around the specific personalities, like leanings that are within your own organization. And then I think on the other side, there's like that whole competency bucket for me. And then there's another bucket that's like, how integrated are you? How connected are you with your customer success leaders? I think, you know, using the Zendesk example, again, it it, it can, even with the best intentions, it can be really easy to just kind of like operate separately. And you throw like, hey, we're shipping this new training stuff over the fence. And they're like, great, here's a thumbs up. And then they just go back to doing their work. It's like, yeah, I'll tell the team about it, but it's not integrated into their methodology, really. So think about that first bucket of like, what is, what is your team doing that is going to positively impact the business in a big way? And how can you show it with data if possible? And then having that conversation with your customer success leaders around like, hey, I know that your top line metric is GRR, let's pretend. And I'm seeing this trend where customers who complete training are like, you know, 86% more likely to have to retain. I'd love to better understand your methodology and like how I might better support your team in encouraging adoption of training because it seems like it's driving a really positive result. So like would love to help you there. And then maybe you can help me with getting more direct feedback in terms of what the needs are. Like how can I get a readout of the needs that you're seeing pop up by segment or something? Like don't let yourself unintentionally grow into a silo and not have that really close connection regardless of the way you're organized. 
I think you're going to have to lead on it. Like you're going to have to lean into building those relationships. It won't just happen organically. Caitlin, that was a super powerful uh, (laughs) collection of advice. And and I can't think of a better way for us to end the episode today. Amazing. So listeners, if you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at customer.education. You can find our show notes and other material. And if you found value in this podcast, we would love for you to share this podcast, send a note on the old LinkedIn's and, and talk about an episode you liked. Head over to wherever you review podcasts and maybe leave us a, a quick little review. Uh, we'd appreciate any and all of those. And if, if you're one of those people who listens to podcast episodes and thinks, hey, I'll do it later, why not open a tab and, and, and at least start, like open the tab. And then when you <laughs> see the tab later, you can go back and finish making that review. I'm on LinkedIn, Adam Evermescu. Uh, Caitlin, where can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Caitlin Wood. Yeah, find me there. Reach out. I'm always happy to like chat, DM me. You can you can buy Ironclad and then Caitlin will support yes. onboarding. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Thanks to Alan Coda for providing our theme music and to our audience. Thanks for joining us. Go out and educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Caitlin. Thanks, Adam.